0: Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only, terms apply, cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Tuesday afternoon. Joining me from Bristol, Connecticut, where he'll be locked for the foreseeable future, is Bobby Marks, our front office insider. Hello, Bobby. Hello, everyone.
1: How are we? It feels like a little Groundhog Day every day, guys. 6 a.m. on campus, midnight going back to the hotel. I don't even know. I haven't even eaten any of the good Doubletree cookies yet. I have not tapped into those. I, I tried getting them thir- uh, uh, Sunday night when I was doing my laundry, and they gave me the, uh, the what are those, like those gluten-free that are in a bag um, that oh. were already there. So oh, I have no. not tasted the the, uh, the cookies yet. So. Good to be with you guys.
0: Yeah, I was. I've been saying to people that free agency starts on Thursday, and I realized it doesn't start on Thursday. It starts on Friday. There's a whole other day that I was planning <laughs> in my head, and so we have uh, more time to to wait. Joining us from Los Angeles, California, is Om Young Masook. What's up, Om?
2: What up? Wendy? I feel like I just saw you like a few days ago, even though now it's been probably like a couple weeks since I saw you in Denver.
0: Yeah, uh, the finals. Do feel like they were a while ago, and and like you know, Denver is still on their, on their enjoyment tour. By the way, like I am so here for it. I always tell people who I know who are on teams that win, it's so hard to win. Just enjoy it, man. Like talk your talk, do your crazy stuff. You know,
2: uh, you just You just described Michael Malone. I, I wonder how many tattoos he has now. He's added another one since that last one. I wonder if he's actually now sobered up because <laughs> every time no, I well, saw him, he had a bottle. They're, on his they're drafting
0: and players and entering free agency. I I, I think he's <laughs> kind of sobered up, but you know, if he hasn't, God bless him. I remember Paul Pierce had a great line after they won the title in 08. I remember he came back to training camp and he said, I, he said, I forgot what my name was because people only called me champ all summer.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon's still walking the streets of Denver in just his basketball shorts.
0: <laughs> and, and you know what? If he is, God bless him. God bless him. Anyway, we do a free. We do a free agency starting in a couple of days. Bobby is going to be on that touchscreen. I'm telling you, you think that Bobby Marx's real skill in life is salary cap analysis and you know NBA free agent or NBA uh, front office move analysis and like you know maneuvers, but the touchscreen, working the touchscreen, Bobby is a genuine talent and people think i'm joking it is not that you had to put in your 10,000 hours oh. to get that touch screen the to place where you felt comfortable doing it on live television
1: when i first started here i was a train wreck it was uh, i mean talk about a train wreck where basically i they locked me in a room and they said like you need to get better at this and you need to get better quick and we've come a long way from 2017 where i was kind of deer in the headlights to the point where my seventeen-year-old um, wants to study international policy, and he saw me doing a touchscreen, and he's like, "Dad, I, 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 that's what I want to do. I want to do like the, the elections, like on the touchscreen and moving things around here." And the, the uh, I am at the mercy mercy of technology, though, because if we have a glitch or we have a freeze, or last or yesterday I was doing uh, the Trailblazers um, trade machine, and Damian Lillard uh, was faceless. Um, we have to roll with it, and we have to
2: have fun with it, and we just <laughs> we just go with it. Right? We just we just go with it. I was going to say, Bobby Marks is, just, say Bobby has kind of become our John King, but now your son is going after John King's job.
1: That's right. <laughs> I have an impact on young people out there.
0: <laughs> I can see when you know, the movie of your life story is made, like the montage, you know, the, the old 1980s style montage of you like sweating in you know, at the touch screen. Mid-level exception a uh, trade exception move this move this guy into here and you are this is the space under the luxury tax and you, Well the funny the thing
1: this room. morning um on uh, or Tuesday Tuesday morning I did a, a segment on pa- Boston and in and the Lakers and I didn't like follow the steps with the Lakers and I was trying to show like cap holds and I really tried to get technical with the viewers there and I kind of just missed the step and hey if you knew the cap you would be like oh Bobby missed the step and stuff and I said to my wife like nobody knows (laughs) you know like nobody i could have been throwing at 900 different things out there and stuff like that and i left and i was like man that was a c-minus effort right there (laughs) and uh, but um but yeah it's exciting and um we've got a lot stored we got the thing ready to rock and roll
0: this week and we'll see what happens all right well let's start talking about it so the team i really wanted to talk about that i think is going to have an interesting off season i'm not so sure it's going to happen in this first week but i think a team that we haven't we at ESPN haven't talked about a lot and that you guys have a lot of insight into uh, are the LA Clippers. The LA Clippers um, obviously had trade talks last week on a deal with Boston and Washington that didn't come off that would have involved Malcolm Brogdon. It's not clear how close that trade was. It doesn't really matter because it didn't happen, but it is clear that they are trying to upgrade. So Om, you're with the Clippers a lot. I know you covered the nuggets throughout the playoff run, but... um, you know, the Clippers as well as anybody. Um, to me, the fascinating thing about the Clippers is that this summer, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they've got one year left on their contracts and then they've got a player option. So it, it technically can be two years, but in the modern era, uh, when a star player, when an all-star level player has a year guaranteed left on his contract, we typically see some sort of extension discussion. You know, last year, for example, it was LeBron. LeBron had one year left on his contract. And he did a, a one plus one extension. He added one year plus one. Um, even a player in his upper thirties did it. There's a number of, there's a bunch of players this year who will be in extension discussions. Maybe we can talk about with Bobby at some point, but this is a fascinating decision because Kawhi has had another surgery um, that the Clippers announced last week. They called it a cleanup procedure. I don't know what that means. It means that, you know, he's come. he's coming off that injury, you know, coming off that injury, I guess he suffered in the playoffs. Paul George was unable to finish last season due to an injury. And so I question, is this a simple decision? You know, do they extend them? Do they not extend them? Do they negotiate not a full extension? So um, give me your feel on the state of the Clippers right now.
2: I don't think it's a simple decision. I think if you, I have not spoken to Steve Ballmer, but I clearly remember his face at the end of that loss in Phoenix. And I think it was just of this, like, frustration that why can't my stars be healthy? Why can't this team ever be healthy? And I think business-wise, Steve is probably wondering, like, I've spent all this money to make this a first-class franchise, and I cannot get my stars basically to play. I think there was – I think Paul George had Jerry West on his pod recently, and I think Jerry West said it right to Paul George's face, something like it's absolutely unbelievable that we have two stars of this caliber and you guys cannot stay healthy. So I, I think that's definitely an echo from the entire fr- the frustration of the franchise. I've tried asking Lawrence Frank this numerous times, like at the end of his pre- uh, end of his season press conference, he was talking about improving the team. I said, well, how do you improve availability? that's that's the biggest thing about this team. you can't you just don't have your two stars. So I asked Lawrence this the other night at the end of the draft uh, last week. I said, You've got your two superstars and extensions coming up. What is your feeling about extending these guys, especially the length of the extensions, because the cap is going to be so restrictive for them. Like, I think the Clippers are at a massive crossroads here. And Bobby can certainly talk more in depth about this. But this team has to figure out, we want to stay competitive and win a championship now. Our window is closing. We are entering a new building in Inglewood in like not next season, but the season after that. And Steve Ballmer wants a competitive team going into that to sell tickets and keep that team relevant. But you don't want to be stuck with two superstars on massive contracts that can't stay healthy, who are certainly getting up there in age as well. And you certainly want to have young prospects going into that season when you go into the new building as well, young talent. So I feel like you know they are trying to straddle this line and walk this fine line of how do we stay competitive to win a championship now and build around Kawhi and build around Paul, but also still have a team that's going to be competitive for a long time to come and now we got to deal with this new CBA. So I, I think that's a, a tough decision. If you look at Steve Ballmer, what he did with Ty Lu probably this summer like Ty Lu was looking for a new deal, certainly more money. And I think Steve Ballmer's like, look, you're still under contract. Look we'll, 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 we love you. We want to keep you, but you're still under contract. I think they're starting to think about, like, what is the best way to spend money smartly with this team and still try to win a championship and still be competitive for years to come?
0: Yeah, Bobby, I think Holmes summed it up there. I mean, the the new CBA rules, the second acre apron and et cetera, are targeting the Clippers. They're targeting the Warriors and the Clippers. And when they started negotiating at the Nets, although the Nets have pulled back some with the trades, The thing about the the difference between the Warriors and the Clippers is the Warriors have won the titles. So they're keeping together and facing the challenge of holding together a title team. The Clippers haven't been able to enjoy much, if any, success at the highest level. And now they're facing the thorns of these new rules.
1: Yeah. And plus, besides being a a second apron team this offseason and the foreseeable future, especially if Paul and Kawhi come back, they're also now in the repeater tax. Right. They're in the repeater tax. Their penalty is like $140 million right now. Certainly will increase if they bring back Russell Westbrook or Mason Plumley. I, you know, those are, you know, Plumley's more of a luxury. You know, bringing back Mason Plumley on an $8 million contract will cost you, I don't know, an additional $50, $60 million. Um, Russell Westbrook, you know, you can only pay him $3.8 million. That's that's the number. And you're right. I mean, you saw you started to see it on Monday where even teams that were skirting the apron and luxury tax, Atlanta, you know, essentially made a salary dump because of where these new rules are coming. And they basically prioritize some of their younger players, whether it be Sadiq Bay and uh, DeJounte Murray um, to, you know, to, to try to sign long-term and move John Collins and Ohm's right. I mean, the Clippers have a hard decision and there's probably going to be, a, you know, the days of just writing a blank check to both guys, I think it's over, you know, like it's, they're eligible for four for two twenty three. It's a huge number. It's like 60 plus in the last year. And um, there has to be a compromise here. And it, I feel like we're getting into a little bit of a trend where like, organizations are kind of like backed into a corner. You can't lose them for nothing, but you don't want to pay a player the premium Dallas with Kyrie, Philadelphia with Harden, um, you know, two players like that, where yes, there are $47 million guys, but Hey, can we get you for 35 and we'd still have our non-tax mid-level exception available to go out and get a, um, another player here. And I'm, I'm fascinated. Kawhi can extend in July, Paul, not until September as far as what they do, because that's a, it's a $48 million player option for next year. That's a big number. Like that's that's a big number. And I think you saw it with Chris Middleton who who declined his $40 million player option. There's got to be something waiting for you out there before you to go out into free agency. But uh, the Clippers are at a big crossroads because you know it's it's the it's been the what if factor for the last, you know, three years.
2: Bobby, do you feel like the Clippers are almost like the not almost a guinea pig? But they could be like the trendsetter here for teams that are going to be in that second apron of like, how do we compete economically to win a championship, but also don't screw us over for like years to come? Well, I would say Phoenix is definitely not the guinea pig. <laughs>
1: <New> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I mean, even Golden State, as much as, you know, they print money and Joe Lake up, you know, the, the let's face it, the Chris Paul Jordan Poole deal was more about getting years two, three and four off off the books. And Chris has got a, a non-guarantee for next year here. And I think, um, you know, where the Clippers are, it, it just to, to keep the roster together and they're faced with a big decision because they've got, you know, they've got Eric Gordon whose contract is about to be, be, become guaranteed on um, on Wednesday. You saw them active uh, at the draft, trying to get Malcolm Brogdon and they've got expiring contracts, Marcus Morris and um, Covington, Robert Covington and Nick Batum. So let's say those guys walk next year right after this year then you're basically left you're still over a cap and you're you're probably under the tax but you still have what what else do you have to go out and and kind of add to your roster so you have to basically kind of take that miami approach where you're really kind of um where you're bargain shopping
0: yeah so the interesting thing about this particular situation if you have all-star level players like Kawhi and paul george and they hit free agency your typical concern is, man, they're going to walk. They're going to walk, and we're going to lose a star player for nothing. In this case, and I don't know, I can't ever get inside the head of Kawhi. There's no way. And I know what Paul George has said. Both of these guys really, really badly want to be in Los Angeles. You know, Kawhi walked away from a situation in Toronto that was really set up for them to continue winning because he wanted to come home. You know, playing at home was ex- extremely important to both of them. Same with Paul. Paul committed to the... Um, Oklahoma City Thunder and then asked for a trade a year later almost begrudgingly because he said I just can't pass this up to go home. And if you're not necessarily if you're not necessarily as worried, you know, if you're not the Thunder worried about Durant, the Cavs worried about LeBron, I don't know, pick your pick your guy who left for nothing. All, is there any leverage there for the Clippers to say, well, we know these guys don't want to leave LA, maybe we can maybe handle this differently than a normal Keep your stars negotiation.
2: I mean, dude, yeah, I think I think the Clippers have to try to use everything to their advantage to try to maybe tug on those strings there. The interesting dilemma to me with Kawhi Leonard, and I think we'll find the answer when we see what this extension is going to be. If he does get an extension, is that this organization has done everything to bend his bend over backwards to make Kawhi Leonard happy. From, like, giving him his entire, you know, basically bringing all his people on onto this organization to watching every step of how many games he plays and the whole, like, basically load managing and all that stuff.
0: I mean, just when the that, whole idea of the idea of bringing him in to start this. What was the thing he played the last six minutes? What was I don't even remember, like, don't yeah, start they play started the, the season.
2: Minutes. They started the season where he didn't start and he was coming off the bench and played the final six minutes of the first half. So he didn't even come in till six minutes ago in the first half. So that way they could make sure that he was available at the end of the fourth quarters. And that was a disaster. Tyloo hated that right from the start. Oh, I remember so texting frustrated. you.
1: I remember texting you. Um, they were in Minnesota, I think it was Minnesota, and they were getting their doors blown off, and none of the guys played this. It was the first night of a back-to-back, and none of them played the first the second half. And I text him I'm like, are we going to see these guys? To like, we would think we would see them tomorrow night, right? They only played like 15 minutes. And okay. Owen was like, I don't think so. That's not how it goes. Like, they're... Yeah down for game two here
2: yeah i think you remember there was one game they were at denver and they just got waxed from the beginning i mean and they didn't play paul and kawhi in the second half it was the first of a back-to-back they were going to minnesota the next night and i think you might have texted me you're like they're gonna play the next night right and i was like "Mm, i don't i don't know i was like yes they only played like 15 minutes or 20 minutes in this first half but the the mo is they don't play back-to-backs at that point and they didn't but I, i think what you'll see now is it's real interesting like the Clippers have done everything to try to make Kawhi Leonard happy. If Kawhi wants the full four-year extension, what are the Clippers going to do? It's almost like the Clippers now are at this point. Yes, it's it's very hard for them because, look, everything everybody was asking me last year about load managing. And I said, look, it has worked for Kawhi. And you saw him in those first two games of Phoenix. That's Don't. what I was
0: going to say. That That's was like two sick. times,
2: two time finals MVP Kawhi Leonard's, what we saw in those first two games yes. against Phoenix before he got hurt. And everybody was like, well, what... load managing didn't work. But well, I mean, like, he had an MCL injury. Yes, to so the same knee that he had the ACL injury. So perhaps a related, perhaps we're not. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I, but I do know that their load managing was working up to that point. Just get that dominant Kawhi. I talked to someone in Denver the very next round when they were playing Phoenix. And we were talking about Kawhi, and this person said, Dude, if the Clippers had won and Kawhi was healthy the way Kawhi was playing, that would have been trouble. I still think Denver would have gotten past them because Well, what
0: Paul George was getting closer to playing. Who knows when he would have yeah. been able to play? But yes. I I felt the same thing. You know, you and I were covering that Clippers Sun series, you know, and I thought about that series with Dallas. Was it, I guess, three years ago mm-hmm. now? Was it three years ago? It was the, the series that he tore is is ACL yeah. in.
2: Oh, that was against Utah. He tore it against
0: was, Utah. Oh, but the Dallas series before that, yeah. where he was yeah. out of this world. Yeah. And, like, and then he was so strong coming down the stretch of last year. And you're like, gosh, they finally got it. It's finally working. And, and Ty Lu came out in game one and threw this game plan that confused the Suns. And so Ty was in his bag and Kawhi was doing it. And, you know, I... You know, it was like, okay, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. And like that's the thing. You know and I wrote a piece last year where I compared the clippers situation to poker, where you've already thrown like so many of your chips in the middle that the remaining chips that you have, you have to stay in the pot because it doesn't make any sense with all you have in the middle. You have to stay in it because, even if it's a bad double down or it's a bad idea to keep throwing those chips in your investment is so deep that you have to do it. Right. And it's like, okay, the, everybody was starting to show their cards and it was working. And, and I mean, Ty was in like, I haven't seen Ty in that mood. He was in such a good mood, you know, after game one, not just cause they won. Cause it was like, it's working, you know, cause yeah. all of those, all of those press conferences that you went to own last year where Ty was just varying levels of exasperated, like, Can we just have our two guys for like five minutes? Yeah. And yeah. he didn't even have Paul, but he was so happy because he had most of the team.
2: I will and, uh, I will say one thing with Balmer, and I, I remember talking to Balmer about this when he took me on a tour of the new arena last summer. How many and toilets? I asked him, <laughs> Oh, I don't remember how many toilets. <laughs> I do I do know there's probably a countdown clock in there to tell you to get back to your seats. um he was telling me I asked him I said you know you keep an eye on the Golden State Warriors and they just won the championship and I was like you know you want to beat the Golden State Warriors you want to be where they're at and win championships what have you learned watching them and he and he said to me everybody keeps telling me that you need at least two superstars to win a championship and I think he has watching the Denver Nuggets this year and seeing how the Nuggets won and that they just needed guys to be healthy. They needed Jamal Murray to come back healthy. They needed Michael Porter Jr. to come back healthy. Yes, this is a different situation because the Clippers don't have homegrown guys like Denver. But at least they could see that once Denver was healthy, they finally won a championship. Perhaps Steve Ballmer is telling himself, I just got to – I have no choice. I have to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George get healthy. And if they're healthy – We've seen what they can do. I mean, Ty Lu said it out at the end of that Phoenix series. The one thing we can hold our hat on is we know that we still haven't, I think he said, we still haven't lost a series when our two stars are healthy. And I can see, I can see him saying
0: that. that in 25 years. <laughs> yeah, We never lost a series with Paul and Kawhi. That's
1: like Perk saying that with his Celtics, right?
0: <laughs> Go yeah.
2: Ahead. yeah, sure. More
1: Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package so bobby let's say the clippers called you up and paid you an enormous consulting fee because if i were you and they asked you i would ask for a huge number what would you (laughs) what would you say about how to handle this, 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 these extension situation.
1: Well, it's interesting because prior to this new CBA um, starting, I would have given you the, Hey, let's do the Zion Williamson, Joel B type contracts here where it's the, almost the NFL style contract where you're, you know, Hey, you're paying them a max number, but you're guaranteeing the first year and then years two to four have stipulations in there, whether it be games played, injury clauses, certain triggers along the way. However, the only f- relief with those is when you waive the player. So if you did a four-year two, th- two two twenty-three with either player, you're still absorbing the full number when they're on your roster. Like so, right. they're you're still you're still getting a fifty-five million million dollar cap hit. It still limits your flexibility. It still puts you in the second apron and restricts your draft picks. Here, for me, based on how these new rules are, forty-eight million dollar player option. You can decrease anywhere you want down. I mean, for me, I would, you know, I would probably be in the, somewhere in the 30s. You know, that that's a, that. You know, is it is it three for I don't know, three for one ten somewhere around there? I just have a. I I would rather let them walk for nothing, and I know it's an exorbitant amount what they gave in, and then you almost have to reset. But it's easier for me to say you're walking into a new building. When we walk, when we built the Barclay Center, well, I didn't build when the, the Barclay Center was built in 2012 when we moved in there there was a mandate that we could we cannot not have a team of draft just draft picks walking in there we cannot walk in there with these young players there which probably would have been a better situation that we had to have a um, already made product on the court to sell to the fans out there and that's what we tried to do and it and it cost you you know in the for the next three or four years down the road here and that's the big thing. Is you, you're walking into that new building. You're, you're going to walk in with Bones Highland and Terrence Mann, and I don't know Kobe Brown, your former draft picks here. So for me, and in Boston, yeah, there's got to be there's got to be a compromise out here because will there be a team in 2024 that slaps down 45, 46 million dollars for either guy? I, I I don't know. I you know I don't know what the landscape's going to be yet.
0: Yeah, and so they did. Um the trade that they were trying to make with with uh, trading marcus morris for brogdon and the pick that they ended up using on kobe brown they were taking on significant money like marcus morris is expiring and brogdon's got what is it two years left bobby or is it yeah, yeah
2: two years yeah two years left at i it think like over two years, 20 20 something million each year yeah it's over 20, 40 million 20, so
0: i mean that is an indication and again it didn't happen but you know it got to the point where it was a serious discussion is an indication that they're intending to, to still go.
2: And if Lawrence was asked, "Are you? You had said that your build, your plan is to build around Kawhi and PG. Does that remain the same now? Yeah. After they were like, you know, Paul George's name, you know, he was hearing his name in trade rumors, you know, so he Lawrence had basically said, yes, the plan is still to maximize our two stars and build around them. So yeah. it'll be real interesting, though, Bobby. Like if you don't offer them." what they are used to, I mean, these are two guys that believe they're two top 10 players, okay, when healthy, um, and you say, we're not going to pay you, like two top 10 players, and in the case of, like, Paul George, if he's heard his name in trade rumors this summer, uh, you wonder, like, I, we don't want to offend our guys as well, you know?
1: Well, that's why I think I think if you're Steve Ballmer and Lawrence Frank, you have an eye on what happens with Harden and Irving. I think you have an eye on that because I would be surprised if basically either player get a blank check. I think there's going to have to be some yeah. negotiations from a salary standpoint where you're not going in there saying we're going to start you at 47 and work our way up. I, and I think that could set the stage for what, for what happens with you know the you know especially for two guys have been hard and you know compared to the two Clipper guys they've been relatively more healthy than so I, I'm interested. I'm intrigued what happens at the end of the week here, because I do think that that ha- that sets a little bit of a stage for what happens when we talk about extensions.
0: Yeah. When you talk I, about Harden and Kyrie and, and, and correct me if you, if you think I'm out of line here, Bobby, please say so. I think that those guys can present the, the case that they are max players, even at $47 million a year, which I think would be both of their maxes somewhere yeah, in that neighborhood. Yep. I think that you can say that they are quote unquote worth that. It's not the, Average, it's it's not the 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 that on the cap. It's how many years, and for different reasons. One, because Harden is up there in age, and has frankly looked like he's declined a little bit. And you know, I don't know if that decline is getting reversed. And for Kyrie, it's because I like the background. Your background is changing. <laughs> for me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bobby's in a studio. I need this yeah. in my office. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Anyway, uh, in Kyrie's case, it's just you know, it's it's health, it's off court things. So to me, it's if if they're both getting max contracts, I'm not. I'm I am not i i do not have an issue with that. It's just it's just going to be the years, and you know, in the case of of uh, the Clippers, it might be the years and the money because the, the the size of the money affects what the whole team can do. But yeah, I mean, the years is going to be, uh, don't you think, with Kyrie and, and Harden is going to be what the real drama is is my guess
1: yeah no it is I mean as I I always say Kyrie's a he's a max guy but he's like like a year-to-year max guy right like I don't mind paying him 47 but it's going to be is it going to be five for 276 is it going to be four for I don't know 230 somewhere around there I think that's where the concern certainly with Harden four for 213 that's a huge number that's it's a big number as far as going up you know it's it's not declining in a perfect world you would love to give him 47 in the first year and then 34 34 34 for years 2 to 4 but that's not how this system works.
0: Right. Okay, so we'll see what happens. All did you I did I cut you off a minute ago. Did you want to say something else? No, no, I think
2: I think the Clippers are like I asked Lawrence about this um and Lawrence said look we're going to have to have a hard true conversation an honest conversation with you know his front office about what we want to do lengthwise and extension. I think the Clippers number one argument to those two guys is going to be you guys have played like what I think Bobby put this in 41% of your regular season games yeah. together. And there, there are going to be times when they are going to probably remember the Clippers front office. They're like, there were so many games last season where they were sitting there and people in the organization were like, what is happening? When are these guys going to come back and play? I, I will always remember there was one day, those two had been out for a couple of weeks and they were, pra- they came back to practice on a Friday afternoon and I saw them in a corner Kawhi and paul talking to each other and i got that this is kind of weird i haven't seen this before when when the media is allowed to watch practice but okay so maybe they're just talking about coming back tomorrow and the next day was a 12 12 p.m start or 12 30 start on a saturday afternoon those matinee games that the clippers absolutely hate and i showed up at the arena around i don't know 10 30 in the morning or something like that and we were already getting rumblings that those two are not going to play and then it, Ty announced it, and I remember people in the organization were just like, we are throwing away games. What are we doing here? Why are these guys not playing? And there was massive frustration, not just Ty Lu who had been frustrated all season long, but people in the organization. I think this is the type of thing that they probably will remember when it comes time to the extension, and certainly I think they're going to have to point the hard facts about it and then try to find a happy medium.
0: Yeah, Well, we'll, we'll definitely watch it. Okay. So the other LA team is also got some interesting stuff this week or not. I, I either will be, or won't be. Um, they're going to show their hand a little bit, although I don't think there's that much drama, Bobby, but they have to show their hand a little bit on Thursday. They got three players on Thursday. If I'm not mistaken, they got to make decisions on their contract. Malik Beasley has a $16.5 million team option. They got to decide to pick that up or not. Beasley had some really good moments after the trade, but was not in the playoff rotation. Basically Jared Vanderbilt, who only has 300,000 of his 4.6 million guaranteed. That to me is a no brainer, high energy, multi-talented multiple position starter or off the bench. That's a no brainer to me. But if they waived him on Thursday, they could clear $4.3 million in space and Mobamba who i think is 10.3 million dollars non guaranteed is that the guarantee date bobby or can they go further on that
1: no cuz then then it rolls i mean they can they can they can amend the contract it's not like he has a team option so you can amend it but that's you know it's the end of yeah it's the end of, i think the 29th is the end of the week
0: okay so um so the thing about it is like if they waived all three players they could take 31 million dollars off their books um, they wouldn't necessarily have 31 million in space they could like, if they wanted to go sign a player, they could renounce Austin Reeves and renounce Rui Hachimura. If they let those guys go, I mean, and look, maybe they let Malik Beasley go. Cause they just don't think he's a $16.5 million player. If they'd let those guys go, it's an indication that they are, they've got something cooking in free agency, that they're going to want to have that maneuverability. If they don't let them go and they just keep all of them or keep two of the three of them, I think it's, an indication to me they're going to do what Rob Palenka has indicated, which is they're going to try to bring the core of the team back and then deal with Hachimura and Reeves. And before we talk about Hachimura and Reeves, Bobby, I just want to get your opinion because the reason why you keep them is that they would be valuable as expiring contracts. And Vanderbilt is valuable in the rotation, but those other guys valuable later on in trade, potentially with the draft pick.
1: No, you're right. I mean, I think when you look at it, let's say uh, we they keep Rui and in, in, um, Austin's cap hold. And the, the goal is to bring them back and they keep Jared Vanderbilt, which is the likelihood you waive Bamba, you don't pick up Beasley's option and you basically renounce all your free agents. I think the most you can get there is like 17, 18 million in room. I, I think I'm more in the, um, I think you certainly the, what happens with D'Angelo Russell, you know, guys like that. Um, I, the one thing you'd be careful, you have to be careful with because Beasley's number is 16 and Bomba's 10, as far as getting closer to the tax where with Rui and in Austin, when they come back, I'm more inclined to uh, decline Beasley's option and then maybe bring him back at a little bit a lower number, maybe half that number, kind of going that more that direction. Bamba's is a little bit more trickier, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different variables they can go. And I think certainly running them back is you, you can do that. I mean, you can bring back Reeves, Hachimora, you can bring back Lonnie Walker, you can bring back you could have. Yeah, I mentioned Lonnie 12, Walker. He's yeah, a straight free have, agent, Lonnie Walker. Yeah, you'd have your 12 twelve-four um, non-tax Russell. DeAndre Russell is going to be interesting as far as what the price point for him will be here. But I think we will have a little bit of a better understanding, you know, towards the end of the week because, as you said, those are three three key decisions there.
0: All right, we'll talk about Russell in a second. First, I want to talk about Reeves and Hachimura. So Austin Reeves is a restricted free agent. The Lakers have matching rights. This is. um the old Arenas provision goes back to Gilbert Arenas, what, in 2003, yes, Bobby? Yes, Golden State. So as a quick primer, please correct me if I'm wrong, but in the old days, if you only had a player for two years, you had very limited rights of what you could resign him for. And so even though the player was restricted, another team who had cap space could come in and offer him more than you could match. So, what the Arenas rule was? Because what happened with Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas was drafted in the second round by the Golden State Warriors. I'm sorry for this annoying history lesson, but it is 20 years ago, so I'm trying to help folks. Um, I am getting old. Um, Arenas played two years with the Golden State Warriors. Was awesome. Totally outplayed uh, his second round status. The Warriors had no cap space, and they could only match then back then they could only match up to like five million dollars or something like that, right? Bobby was like yes. the rule. That is correct. And here comes the the Washington Wizards, and I think they offered him 10 a year, which back then was... It wasn't Six
1: years, 67 million. I believe that was the number.
0: Okay. So 11 a year. And that wasn't the max, but it was a huge number back then. And so that's, that's less than the mid-level now, Bobby. That's a, little, that's a little forgetting. Max used to be 13 million. <laughs> I know. That's what it was when I when I came to the league. It was like 13 million. Um, anyway, so they put in a rule that protected it. So... But there is a way around this rule, and Bobby, I wish you wish you, you could explain what this quote unquote threat is to the Lakers with Austin yeah. Reeves.
1: Yeah, I mean the the Lakers will have the ability to match any offer sheet here. But let's say a team like uh, the Rockets come in and want to sl- uh, slap down a big offer sheet here, they basically can, in essence, backload the deal, where for the first two numbers would be like twelve and twelve, and then it would jump to like twenty five and twenty six million dollars here. As far as you you have
0: to you're limited to paying him twelve million dollars a year, which is the average player salary in the first year. Correct. Yep. Those are the first two years, no matter what, whether he averages seventy five points or point seven five points. And then the rule changes in year three and four of a contract. Then you can go up to the max.
1: Yeah. It, uh, Brooklyn did it with Tyler Johnson in Miami um, a few years ago. Maybe not even a few probably seven years ago. Um, they gave him that big offer sheet. And Johnson's numbers were like five and five, 5.8 and 6 million the first year, two years. And then it jumped to like 19.5 in the right. last years, three and four. And it just makes it, you know, it's funny because Reeves is re- limited to the Lakers can only offer him like four for like 53, okay? But he can go out and sign a four-year $80 million offer sheet with the Rockets and the Lakers can match. And now the Lakers are paying him four for 80. So it's a little That's bit right. of a hole for That's him right. to get an additional like, I don't know, $27 million. But the team pays the price in years three and four when that number basically doubles. Uh,
0: the only thing I could say there is that if something like that were to happen, and the Rockets have $60 million that they are going to want to spend, right? If the Lakers ex- talk about that, LeBron, in theory, would be off the books or certainly off the books at his number. And I don't know what happened with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is eligible for, um, uh, is eligible for an extension, I believe, in August. And the new TV money would come in there. So I think if he, if he got that sort of offer, I don't think the Lakers, I think the Lakers would, would seriously consider matching. it. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't, but it, it's not as killer as it potentially sounds like. I'm not saying that Austin Reeves is an $80 million player, but I'm not saying he wouldn't get something like that if a team really wanted him bad enough.
1: Well, the other thing too, Brian, Ohm, is that if you're the team that's giving him the offer sheet, you got to be careful because your cap space gets tied up there. You know, for right. that, you know, for that window here, in was in, it like 10,
2: 10 days, Bobby? Like, no, they've
1: that... they've, they've, um, they've, shortened it now. Now it's really like 48. The, the, the new CBA well, rule a little well, bit. Well, the
0: thing yeah. is, like, you know, you can start talking with free agents on yeah. Friday. Let's say team
1: you X can sign an offer sheet too. You can oh, you do, can. Yeah, they'll allow you to do that, but the, the, the clock doesn't start until the moratorium is lifted.
0: Right. So, okay. So, So let's let's say Austin, so let's say Team X comes in and offers Austin Reeves one of these balloon contracts on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, and he agrees to it. The team that signs him to that can't actually start the clock until July 6th, which means they won't know in theory until July 7th, if the Lakers play it that way, whether they're they're actually going to match it. Now, Lakers could come out and say, heck yeah, we're going to match it, but in theory, you would then tie yourself up that cap space up until July f- until July 7th, and now other things could happen and you don't have that money. That's the penalty of going after a restricted free agent.
1: Yeah, that's the penalty. And it's not like you could say, hey, we've got this offer sheet out. We don't know if the Lakers are going to match and say this to free agent X. Yeah, I think we might have $20 million for you, but we're not sure. Can you just wait until July 7th? Right. Can you wait <laughs> on
0: Austin Reeves? That's, that's the question we're asking you here. Yeah.
2: Well, Bobby, um, I was gonna say, remember when the Nets were doing that because they had nothing to lose, and they were often like it was like Crab and Tyler Johnson, you know and they were just I throwing always, out these like basically always, deals at the restricted free agents because they were and they were like poison pill deals or whatever, and they were just like, yeah, oh, we have nothing to lose. I
1: always think back on that. And I think that's when Sean Marks just took over maybe a year, and I would say people always, say, oh, they're geniuses. They're they're the most creative offer sheets, and I always look back and say, like, man, they caught a break that these teams matched yeah. it. I mean, they traded for Allen Crabb anyway. They eventually (laughs) did get Allen Crabb, but Otto Porter, Allen Crabb, Tyler Johnson, three offer sheets on three different players here that turned out to be not good contracts at all.
0: I think at the end of the day, the Lakers are keeping Austin Reeves. It's just a matter of how it works out and and how much it affects them. I suppose, like I remember, you know, they let Alex Caruso walk over a couple of million dollars a, a couple of years ago. So maybe I shouldn't be so cavalier in assuming that they would match something that would cost them tens of millions. So maybe I shouldn't be, but I don't know. Maybe it's a new era for the Lakers. I just saw them pay $5 million to move up seven spots in the second round. So maybe it's a new era.
1: More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup. Blue and ready for the play. And boom, Rui Hachimura, oh, I want to say something about restricted free agency. It is the worst position to be in in the NBA contractually to be a restricted free agent, except when it's not. And what I mean by that is there's this little teeny lane that you can hit as a restricted free agent where opposing teams think they might be able to get you. If you are deemed a quote unquote gettable restricted free agent, because some guys you know that they're going to match. Like I see, you know, people. Say, oh, guess you guess what? Next year, um, Lamelo Ball is a free agent. I'm like, he will not be. But you know, if you want to put him on your on your list of uh, free agents for 2024, go for it. He's not a gettable restricted free agent. He will either sign his extension this year, or they will match anything. But if you are in this lane, and Alan Crabb was in this lane, and right now the guy who's in this lane, in my view, is Cam Johnson, and potentially Grant Williams. We don't know whether the Brooklyn Nets are going to go all the way to the wall on Cam Johnson. We suspect that they will, but there's some gray area that they may not, that there's some upper level. And so if a team realizes or thinks that they can do that, they will often overpay you to, and they're not even like bidding against another team. They're not even like bidding for you. They're bidding against your team. And Grant Williams is kind of the same. Uh, The the Celtics just traded for a, a big man. They're they've got a lot of money can, committed. They were going to trade uh, Malcolm Brogdon. They haven't been able to do that. Maybe they you know they're into the tax. Maybe they can't afford to keep Grant Williams at a certain number. So Grant Williams is a guy who you may throw an offer sheet down on because you have you think you got a chance to get him. And that's what happened with Otto Porter. And that's what happened with Tyler Johnson. There was somebody happened to last year, and my brain is. Oh, DeAndre Ayton, the the Pacers, maybe they match, but they throw the max offer sheet because they think there's a possibility that they won't. And so there's this little lane. And I think Austin Reeves might be sort of in the gray area there. I still think Lakers are going to keep him. But you remember like back in the day, Bobby, like Paul Millsap comes to mind when the When the Trailblazers tried to get him from the Jazz, I think it was or was the Jazz from the Trailblazers, and like it was like some balloon payment. They had to pay him like a huge amount up front. Yep. You put all these toxic things in there that, that are beneficial to the player, but like <laughs> trying to hurt the team for matching the deal.
1: Yeah, I think I think you have, that's a great point. I think it's it's interesting. Like Houston, for me, their cap space is is valuable to them, right? They're looking to upgrade, whether it be one, two, or three players. Like I don't know if they can be in a position to wait. until July 7th for the Lakers to match. However, as you saw last year with like DeAndre Ayton in the offer sheet, there are teams out there like Detroit, for example, that says, you know what, Cam Johnson is the only guy we're going to target. And if we don't get him, we'll figure out what to do with cap space down the road. And certainly you've got to spend up to 90% up until the first day of the regular season. It's not like we have a waiting list of players here. So we're going to put an offer sheet down for four for a hundred million or 110 million dollars. If we get him, great. He fits here. If we don't, you know what? We'll go look for out for trades, or maybe we'll take back contracts, or maybe we'll use that money in August here. Where I think it's different. Where, as I said, with the Rockets, where they said, yeah, you know what? We want to go get Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, and um Bruce Brown, for example. I can't wait seven days figuring out with my cap space tied because I want to go out and get those three guys right now where the other team can just say like Indiana never used that cap space until they renegotiated Miles Turner. That's right. Let me, let me
2: ask you guys, do you you guys think that this first week of free agency is going to go like it normally does that guys, you're going to see guys come off the book like real fast, a certain tier, like in the first few days, or do you think like, you know, this new CBA and everything? I mean, obviously there are guys that their teams are not going to be punished by the new CBA, but do you think this is going to be a normal free agency? Bobby, I
0: timing, I think, will be about the same because I'm hearing about a lot of negotiations. <laughs> a lot of negotiations are being done right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see some J.J. Reddick contracts. And what I mean by that is, you remember when there was one year, like five or six years ago, when Philadelphia had like $20 million and they didn't really know how to spend it and they didn't want to lock themselves into it for multiple years. So J.J. Reddick took like a one-year 20 22 million dollar contract and jj had more interesting offers with different teams but he couldn't pass up a a one-off for 20 million and he went and took it i think he got a second one didn't he get a second one off for another and you know it worked out for jj because he still then got a long-term contract at the end there with new orleans he got one more multi-year contract after doing those one-offs um i think we could see bobby unless you think i'm wrong because teams are worried about where their cap is going to go how things might fall, you know, they have to spend the money and they like the player, but I could see like, Hey, we're going to give you one year or, or maybe like two years on a player that maybe two years ago, you would have given four.
1: Yeah. Rented cap space. I think that's going to be the theme here as far as teams renting cap space. And I think you saw a little bit of that with Oklahoma city with Burton's going into, um, half of their, you know, half of their room to move up two slots here where it doesn't impact you at all next year. Where some of their maybe you're looking to maybe extend some of your players or make a bigger splash here, and um, I do think you might see more bloated contracts because there is a drop off. I mean, a significant drop off when you look at the the bigger names here um, compared to you know, listen, the guard, the, like for example, the point guards with Kyrie and Van Vliet, and then you're looking at you know certainly uh, Gabe Vincent and D'Angelo Russell's of the you know the mid the not the twelve point four million dollar guys here and. I think teams have to spend it with the new rules the, the salary cap teams have to spend it before, you know, the first, the first day of a regular season here. So Max Struess might get one year, $15 million, maybe, you know, that's a, you know, something like that. So I do think, I do think you're going to see some of these cap space teams rent Houston, probably not as much, but rent, you know, rent the cap space.
0: Yeah. So, okay. You mentioned D'Angelo Russell, by the way, Hachimura will be interesting. We talked about him with Von and McMahon the other day. I'm not sure what the market is for him i'm not sure i'm not sure he's going to be seen as one of those quote unquote gettable free agents so it's not so much his value i'm not so sure if anybody's coming in with the offer sheet reeves could be a little different because of the machinations of the way you can structure his contract hachimura i don't think is being seen i think the lakers have pretty much announced especially if they pick up those guys contracts hachimura is you know a guy who i think a lot of people think they're are, going to keep. So I don't know if he gets an offer. I think that might just get straight negotiated. That number could get interesting, especially as you look what the Lakers are going to try to do into the future. But D'Angelo Russell, this is a polarizing player. There are obviously people that really like Russell. He has been a productive player at times in his career. The last time he was a free agent, he had multiple teams offer him the max salary. He had moments in the, in the playoffs where he was vitally important for the Lakers and moments in the playoffs where he absolutely disappeared. I don't know who they'd replace him with, Bobby, unless you think they could re-sign Dennis Schroeder and say he's our starter, which he was for a big chunk of the season. Um, but I also know, like, I don't know, maybe it's a one-year deal. I don't, know what, I don't know what the Lakers should give him. I know that they need someone to play that position, but I also know that they can't lock themselves into a situation there.
1: No, you're right. I mean, I think you know. Certainly, you would have said, you know, during the season, hey, you know, three for sixty, you know, you know, somewhere around there. Now it's like kind of, would you you know, what he do two for thirty, you know, maybe a player option in a in a second year, you know, a little north of the the non-team
0: option in the second. Yeah, maybe a
1: team, maybe non-guaranteed in the second year, um, because I don't know what the. I mean, you look at the teams that have room. A lot of my cards: Indiana, Detroit, uh, Orlando. Yeah, The list of teams, Oklahoma City, they all got guards, point guards, and it's hard for me to see one of these teams going out and spending north of $15 million on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're the Lakers and you saw, like, at in that Western Conference Finals, he was basically just – he just vanished. I I think it's got to be about the right price for them to bring him back. I mean – I keep thinking with the Lakers, it's like, dude, they, they, I think they need to see this roster together. I mean, remember, we, I think we forget that like they started that year, even in like at the beginning, uh, the end of January, they still had Russell Westbrook on that team. They, we, we have not seen what that team and that roster can do for a full season. And so, yeah, while they left a bad taste in your mouth that they got swept in the Western Conference finals, I think. Rob has to look at this like, well, let's see what this team can do for a full season together. You have a full training camp. We like what we saw that we were able to do in a couple months. And remember, we didn't even have LeBron James for a good part portion of that toward the end of the regular season because he was hurt. So I want to bring back as many of these guys as possible, but at the right price. So
0: here are the free agent point guards. I have a list right here. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Fred Van Vliet. I don't think these are legitimate options for the Lakers. Obviously they could do something wouldn't say it's impossible, but I don't think they're headed in that direction. And if they change their posture, we will certainly be talking about it on the next podcast. And then the list gets awfully thin if you don't include D'Angelo Russell. We're talking about Westbrook. That's not happening. We're talking about, and if you're talking about unrestricted free agents, you're talking about Gabe Vincent, Schroeder, Patrick Beverly. There's some, there's some restriction there's some restricted options out there. Like, um, our core, our core, Joseph is unrestricted, like Trey, uh, Trey Jones from the, uh, Burrs, Burrs. Yep. you know, it bolsters the case for re-signing Russell because, you know, I, I get, you know, you, you can bring Schroeder back, although you have limited rights on him, but that's a, that's a real challenge for the lake the you know, keeping Hachimura, and keeping Reeves at numbers that don't imperil you going forward, and how you handle Russell. And Russell, by the way, is going to know that he's going to know that the Lakers don't have another great option. That's going to affect his negotiations. So,
2: you know yeah. what? Both both LA teams have a little bit of a point guard dilemma. And if the clip we didn't talk about this with the Clippers. So the Clippers don't get Russell Westbrook back, and there's certainly a chance of that. Because they can only offer him the $3.8 million. And Russ is going to see what's on the market. And he's going to take a long, hard look to see what else he can get. I think he's going to consider it. Even though he loves being in LA and he loved playing for the Clippers and Paul George, I think he's going to look and see what other money can get. I mean, what did the Clippers do if they don't have Russell Westbrook back, you know. Well, I just there's...
0: listed the the dearth of point guards out there at less than the huge dollar maybe, amounts.
2: Maybe Michael Winger might have to. Uh, there might be a call on to Michael Winger to say, "Hey, you got a glut of point <laughs> guards."
0: Yeah, I think. more? Come can... on down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, certainly that could could certainly happen but there. And by the in way,
2: that. Bobby, I was thinking about this as I was in the, in the at the Clippers draft the other night. I was like, man, Michael Winger, the trades he's been making it's almost like the Clippers were holding him back. <laughs> he wanted to make, he, he was still making deals with the Clippers up until they backed out of the Brogdon thing.
1: I think he made five trades in uh, a, a one week span here. Yes. There is a glut of guards on that roster. And I think what you see in what you see entering free agency is probably not what you're going to see come uh, end of September.
0: Absolutely. Um, and he's collecting draft picks. So that's, uh, that's a thing. And um, he, he, <laughs> the Clippers were trying to give him one and it it didn't, uh, it didn't work out. So uh, the LA teams will be definitely always uh, they get attention and they'll have some interesting attention this week. You know, the George Kawhi thing doesn't have to be decided now. Like that can be decided, I guess in theory up till next June. Right, Bobby? Like,
1: yeah, there's no deadline because they have a, they have a, uh, they have an option. So you can wait all the way up until the end of June.
0: One thing I want to ask you about, and and this is, this is something I would ask off off the pod. So I'm asking it on the pod. The Celtics are introducing Chris Epps Porzingis on Thursday. Considering what they traded for him, I suspect they would want to work out an extension. Sometimes though, when you trade a player, you can't extend it for six months unless it's done at the time of the trade. They did the trade. As far as I know, the trade's been completed. Mm -hmm. How does an extension work with Porzingis? I think he can do it now. He doesn't have to wait six months.
1: He can. um, They're limited for the next six months. It's a total of three years, including what's left on his contract. So they can give him two additional years and then a a 5% raise off the 36. So it comes out to two for 77. That's the most um, in in that six months. That's
0: quote unquote his max, even though that's not max.
1: So that rule actually will change in the new CBA next year, where the players that are acquired in a uh, trade, you are allowed to give um, a total of four years, so now three new years, and then you can do a 120% increase, almost like the old, I guess, I guess we're the current uh, vet extension rules here. But Porzingis is going to be interesting just because, um, let's face it, I mean, with Jalen Brown and then likely Marcus, I mean, and um, Jason Tatum next year, like Marcus Smart was making $18 million. So now you're going to add 36, right? You're doubling the number there going forward either for the next couple of years. And, um, certainly you can, you, there's no restriction as far as decreasing it, but I don't know if you're Porzingis, you want to go in that boat.
0: Yeah, that'll be, I, I would expect them to try to get a deal done. Um, I do not think it would be two for 77 though, but I mean, I don't, it's not my money. So I would be interested to see how that plays out, but I know that they announced that they're going to have a press conference on Wednesday or Thursday to introduce them. So, okay. Olman, and uh, Bobby, you guys uh, got more work to do. And um, I appreciate you uh, chatting about the uh, Clippers and Lakers. Thank you to Jackson, our producer and uh, Bruce as well. Uh, we will um, be talking to you, uh, I guess, late Thursday. I, I just, I just realized this, that I said on the podcast the other day that that would be the first day of free agency. I've been, I've been, in my head, free agency has been starting on Thursday for like 48 hours here, so Thursday um, is a
1: big day though, Brian, because that's the last yes. for player options. Five o'clock, player and team options. Player, then um, there's still a bunch out there. Certainly, Harden and yeah. Clarkson, Town, Horton, Tucker, uh, Josh Hart. There's still a list of guys still there.
0: Yeah, Jordan Clarkson is an interesting one for sure. Um, it's not getting talked about. So we'll see what happens. Thank you, listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.